God, the wisdom of God. Glory to God. And that's what we're going to hear today. Amen? Praise God. Let's go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than my necessary food. I love it, and I'm never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18, please. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Hallelujah. Uh, I was going to read all this. I'll, I'll let you read it maybe in your own time. I was going to read all, all through verse 16 of 1 Samuel chapter 18. But let me... I got, I got to read most of it. Let me start at verse 8. How about that? 1 Samuel 18, verse 8 through 16. Okay, let's read together. Ready to read. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward, from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand and he went out before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before him. them. Amen. I'm going to talk today on the subject, how to deal with your enemies, how to deal with your enemies. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me have one of those uh, tissues right there. I, I messed my glasses up. I got dry tears all over my glasses. I can't hardly see anything. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How to deal with your enemies. Praise the Lord. Now, it's it's... Unsurprising, <clears throat> with all the things that are going on in the world today, all the fear-mongering, that uh, division, no, I don't open it, I don't need it, I'm good, that all the, thank you, that all the uh, strife and division has increased in the earth. And people are of differing opinions in the church, outside the church. And people are growing even more tolerant, intolerant rather, of each other. We already had intolerance happening. Uh, you know, you have the uh, one community uh, who's not sure what gender they are, who accuses people of intolerance, and yet they themselves are very intolerant of people with opposing views. And that intolerance has grown. And people have become in some cases, mortal enemies of each other. Those of us who are from opposing schools of thought 
are increasingly becoming bitter rivals. Uh, I'm, I'm a Florida State fan, and uh, we have some rivals in, in the state. Uh, University of Florida is a rival of Florida State, but we have a bitter rival, University of Miami. Two opposing schools. And when you have opposing schools of thought, well, what are the opposing schools of thought, Pastor? Well, we have the faith school of thought. And then we have the take precaution school of thought. Let me say it again. You have people like you coming to church on a Sunday, gathering around other people in a church setting. You're of the faith school of thought. But there are most people who are in the take precaution school of thought. And what's happening, it's causing uh, rivalries to happen. You don't have to tell me. I'm, I'm just I'm going to tell you what's happening. And people are becoming arch enemies. And it's not a surprise. I want to take you to a scripture here. Matthew. In fact, we were here last week, Matthew 10. Because God's not surprised about these opposing opinions and schools of thought and how enemies are made in times like these. I'll show you this here. Now, if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, you just, you just let somebody know you're going to church. Let your family find out you're going to church. And then ask them, can you stop by and see them? You have to meet them at the, at the screen door, and the screen door is going to probably be closed. And you follow what I'm saying? They might, I mean, the screen door might not even be enough because you can breathe through the screen door. They, they don't want you in there. But God's not surprised. Look at Matthew 10, please. Verse 16. It says, Behold, I send you out as, notice there's four animals in here, as sheep among in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now keep that in mind for later on. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils. They're going to call those sheriffs on you. And scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Verse 21. Now brother. <clears throat> now these are brothers from the same mother. Now brother will deliver up brother to death. Now these are brothers who probably played together. They climbed trees together. They, they built tree houses. They, they started little clubs. They caught little lizards and cooked them. I mean, these are, you follow me saying? Brothers who've been tight their whole lives. But when you have an opposing school of thought or opinion, now brothers turn on each other. Now, some of y'all may not be experiencing this, but somebody in the room is. Now, brother will deliver a brother to death, and a father his child, and children, children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And, to, and you will be hated by huh? all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end, come on. Drop down to verse 34, please. Verse 34. Verse 34. Jesus says, now listen, don't be surprised by this. 
He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. That, that wasn't a question. He's, it's a statement. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Now, we know when he was born, the angels announced peace on earth, goodwill toward men. He's talking about peace, in other words, peace with God. So, but Jesus is saying, I'm not coming to bring peace between y'all. He says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. In, in the day, he'd say a Glock. Nine millimeter. Uh, maybe a 50 cal. Boom. <laughs> For I have come, watch this, to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law, some of y'all say, I know about this right here. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And watch verse 36. Watch verse 36. And a man's enemies will be or will even be those of his own household. Y'all hearing this? All right, everybody say enemies. enemies. Now I'm not gonna sit here and talk about how to deal with your haters. I'm not. This, I'm not. This ain't no soul message here. I, I, I want to prepare you for our new normal. I want to prepare you for our new normal. There's a new normal that we are going to emerge into. Um, I, I, I almost say when all this is over, but it's never going to be over because it's just begun. This is going to last. So Jesus comes because there'll be uh, things, new things, and old things coming back. I mean, this. So, so there's a new normal that we're going to emerge into where there's going to be a separation of church and church. We've been talking about separation of church and state for so long, but there's going to be a separation between church and church and between households and between friends that you've been running with your whole life. But they're going to find out that you, you actually believe the Bible. You actually walk the Bible. You actually live out the Bible, and, and they don't have time for that. And so what's happening is none of us are intentionally making enemies. Am I right now? I'm going to check you all now. None of us are intentionally. In fact, you don't have to have intentionally make an enemy. But if and when people disagree with you, if and when people find out you have a differing opinion, or if and when people find out that you you one of those faith folk, one of those real Jesus freaks, then they can often make you their enemy. You're not trying to be an enemy. I'm just trying to please Jesus. I'm just walking with Jesus. Over in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, Apostle Paul says this. He says, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now, let me just ask you, this is, a, this is a quick survey, just a quick poll. Have you been talking to one of your neighbors, one of your friends, one of your relatives, one of your children, one of your somebody, and you told them the truth, and all of a sudden now you're their enemy? Why? Because they don't, they don't care about the truth. All they care about is those facts the people keep telling them. I sent out yesterday on the church group me, I put out a, uh, something from the CDC. You all know the CDC? 
And hopefully y'all took the time to actually read the page I sent you and look at those graphs, those charts that were showing. Listen, uh, what the media is putting out is, is not true. The media has everybody scared, hold up, I mean, freaking out. And to see these things, and that's not really what, here's what. See, here, here, here's what we can really count. Everything is, is being um, exaggerated. Okay? And if, if you looked at that, you saw the, the deaths from, in, from the flu, influenza, the deaths from pneumonia. Those, those outweighed. <laughs> and then you saw total deaths. I don't know how many of y'all saw it in America. Total deaths over the last two months, 765,000, something like that. And they said of that, COVID, real actual, that they can actually legitimately, uh, to their best of their knowledge, is like 37,000. So something's wrong here. But when you give somebody your truth or the truth, no, 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 no. And now they're your enemy because you told them the truth. Or because somebody is in an alternative lifestyle. Y'all got quiet. And you tell them the truth. And now they're upset. Or somebody is um, uh, a glutton or a wine-bibber. Remember I taught you a couple weeks ago on kingdom guidelines for social distancing? We didn't, we didn't post it. We're going to do something different with that. But I, I told you, you know, I, I didn't even cover that one. The Bible says people who are wine bibbers and gluttons, you shouldn't even hang around them. Other words, alcoholics and foodies, you shouldn't ride, run, run with them. Now I'm messing with y'all. I'm a foodie, not like that. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about you just like to visit places. No, they're people, they, they live to eat. You're supposed to eat to live, Barbara. That's right. So if you tell somebody the truth, what happens? They're going to become your enemy. If you're going to tell somebody, you know, you, you, know, you know why you broke? It's because you keep spending all your money. They're going to get mad at you. So understand, there's a new normal that you and I are emerging into that uh, will be full of enemies, uh, Sheep, lambs among wolves. Remember Matthew? He says, but you have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In the midst of that. So in other words, just because somebody makes themselves your enemy doesn't give you the right or reason to treat them as such. Y'all don't want to hear this, y'all. Listen, don't, don't make me your enemy because I'm telling you the truth today, okay? Okay? I'm going to tell you the truth. Praise the Lord. Now, go to James 4.4. Because 4. I, I used to think that I, I, I didn't have any enemies. I used to think that. You know why, Luke? Because I'm a nice guy. I'm, a, I'm very nice. I, I'm, I'm as nice a guy as you probably ever meet. I, I'm, just, I'm just nice. I get along with everybody. I'll talk to anybody. I don't, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, green, tall, fat, skinny, short, rich, poor. I'll talk to anybody. And I'll, 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 I'll befriend pretty much anybody. 
You know, I'm just, I just, I'm just a nice person, D. One, one time, I think my brother Tony, he told me that one time. He said, Pastor, you're, you're a nice person. He said, he said, he said, he said but, but what you're doing ain't working. And there were times, there were times, I'd get upset. My wife would tell you, times I'll just be crying. Man, this will be wrong, man. But he was telling me the truth. And I couldn't make him my enemy. I had to submit and say, okay, he's telling the truth. I mean, he used to challenge me. I mean, it was just like soul spankings. You know what I mean? S-O-U-L? Soul spankings. Like, get, get yourself right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I'm glad. So I just never thought I had any enemies, but I discovered God has enemies. God is extremely nice. He's kind to everyone. James 4.4 4 says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So God's not trying to have enemies, but those who are going to be friends of the world, he says, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now he's talking to the church in James chapter 4. He's saying, church folk, when you're going to be friends with the world or begin to conform to this world, to the world thoughts, ideas, and the world system, you are going to make yourself sitting in church an enemy of God. Oh, my goodness. So, Chris, when I found out God had enemies, I was like, okay, well, maybe I, I might have some enemies. I... <laughs> Psalm 6, 8, verse 1 says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let all, those also who hate him flee before him. So God has enemies, but notice what it says. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. So everyone, say everyone. Everyone, everyone will have enemies. Look, look at your neighbor and tell them everyone will have enemies. As handsome, acute, as beautiful as you are, as nice as you are. Jonathan Hodgson, you wouldn't think you would have an enemy, do you? I mean, Jonathan, you're just the nicest guy in the world. Just get along with anybody. You'll talk to anybody. But Jonathan, do you know you have enemies? Now some of y'all are like, I know I have enemies. I know, I know, I know, I know. I've had enough fights. I got enough block calls, block phone numbers on my phone to know I have enemies. But some of y'all are sitting there, well, I'm too cute to have everybody. Doesn't everybody like me? No, everybody doesn't like you. Did everybody like Jesus? No. Well, you ain't Jesus. So if not everyone liked Jesus, then everyone would like you. And they particularly hated him when he began to teach the truth, when he made assertions about the word of God, about God, about the kingdom of God that they could not grasp. So if you and I are going to be real, what I say? Real Christians. If you're not going to be real Christians, which means we're going to walk right, talk right, live right, do right, speak right, do everything according to the word of God, you are going to have enemies and not a few. And yet, those same enemies, God said in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, all souls are mine. So even enemies of yours, God still wants to use them or he still wants to save them. 
so you and I can't get in a, in a position of hoping they choke on their tongue and die. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I didn't even think about this one. Go, go to Psalm 112 real quick. Go to Psalm 112. Glory to God. Psalm 112. Look at verse 7. I'm going to start at verse 7. About this, this blessed man. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Now, so you got to ask the question, Barbara, well, what's my desire on my enemies? Now, we've learned, those of you who've been through uh, any kind of prayer schooling, I don't know if, if this is going to be covered in our prayer class that begins next Sunday, uh, but there's one prayer called an imprecatory prayer. We know about intercession. We're interceding for God, prayers of consecration. We're consecrating ourselves to the Lord. But there's one prayer uh, among the uh, several others called uh, imprecatory prayers, which means it's a prayer of is get them. I know none of y'all have ever prayed prayers like get them, Jesus. See, so there are imprecatory prayers that you saw in Scripture. Valid prayers are prayed in Scripture. However, however, you and I are New Covenant saints, New Testament saints, that our desire upon our enemies should be the same desire Jesus Christ had for his enemies. Suspended on the cross between heaven and earth, between two thieves, he said, Father, forgive them. Y'all know the rest. They don't know what they're doing. Isn't that how you feel about people that? They don't know what they're doing. They're talking about me. They don't know what they're doing. Doing me dirt. They don't know what they're doing. Accusing me of stuff. They don't know what they're doing. What well, is your prayer then? Father, forgive them. See, I'm not going to teach you today on how to, how to beat your enemies. I'm teaching you how to deal with your enemies. And tell your neighbor, and you have them. Yeah. Colleagues, co-workers. Anybody ever had an enemy at work? Classmates. Some of these young people, they don't know. I, I think I had, I had in school, I can remember about four fights. I'm trying to remember, probably a little more than that, but I'm, I, remember, I remember at least four that were actually fought for. So those are just the enemies I knew. I'm 4-0, though, 4-0. Undefeated. Undefeated. Praise the Lord. Neighbors, I had a neighbor one time, decided he was going to pick on me. My wife and I just moved into this neighborhood, and he's going he's gonna, to I mean, pick on us. And we, we didn't even realize he was our enemy, because he didn't tell us. He told somebody else. 
we found out how much he didn't like us. Yeah, we moved neighbor. He's gonna talk about the preacher. Think he's gonna come take over neighborhood? I wouldn't take over neighbor. I just moved into a house. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't pray anything against him. I just, you know, I didn't know. That man died on the operating table. He was, and then he was not. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you will have enemies. In-laws. Some of y'all call them outlaws. <laughs> how about this one? How about how, how many know about this one? Your ex? How, how about another one? How, how about your spouse's ex? Some of y'all might, might, might just be your boyfriend's baby mama. You know what I'm saying? Just, just tell you that, but you will have enemies. Listen, as Christians, real Christians, you and I, now those, a lot of that stuff, just social stuff that I'm talking about, you know, colleagues at work. I mean, just a lot of stuff, just social stuff. They don't like it because your hair better than theirs. I'm talking about, I'm talking about real things here. <laughs> I'm all right, people, they don't like you because you, you, your makeup looks, is on fleek and they can't ever get theirs right. But I'm talking about, in, in reality, when you are a true Christian and walk with God, people are going to hate you like they hated Jesus. And we're going to see this as our new normal more than we ever have. So we got to know how to deal with them. Okay. Listen to me, this is very important. You might want to write this down. I cannot allow strife to derail my faith. I cannot allow strife to derail my faith. If you get in strife, if you get into where you're arguing with people, if you get into, now I'm not talking about how people are going to come at you, but if you get into where you're coming at people back, you always got to clap back. That's a new term I hear. You always got to clap back on somebody. They actually clap. I don't know what they do. Whatever they do. You got to keep doing that. You know, I see these women just, I mean, I mean, y'all do all kind of stuff with your heads. See, you can easily, you will derail your faith. Because the Bible says in Galatians, faith works by love. Faith works by love. Just like you have a car engine. Your car engine, your car can be so beautiful. You can have a Maserati or whatever you want. That car engine is so beautiful, it can do all kind of wondrous things. But if there's no, if there's no fuel in that engine, no fuel in that tank to get through that engine, it ain't, it's not going anywhere. Your faith can do the impossible. But if you've not, you're not letting love dominate your spirit and your heart, it will derail your faith. You won't be able to get anything done. And this is the year of vision manifestation. We cannot afford to let strife and all kind of confusion get in there and derail our walk with the Lord. You got it? Now remember what we read back in Matthew 10, 16. They can put it back on the screen for us, please. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. <laughs> sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise 
come on, as serpents and harmless as doves. So when we look at David in 1 Samuel 18, we see an example of David who learned how to behave himself wisely. Okay? Back in 1 Samuel 18, some of y'all know the story about David. David was um, a shepherd boy, uh, the eighth son of Jesse, his father. And when King Saul had, had become, uh, Saul had become king of Israel, the first king, and Saul displeased God, and then God told Samuel, listen, I'm, I'm about to replace Saul, and I want you to go down to uh, Jesse's house and to Beth Bethlehem there, and I want you to uh, anoint a new king. And so he went down to Jesse's house and called Jesse and said, hey, Jesse, bring your sons out here. I'm going to anoint the next king of Israel. What? <laughs> okay. So he brings out the first seven sons, and the oil does not flow on either of those sons, right? And he said, surely you must have one more son because I know what God told me, and the, the, the king is in your house. He said, well, I got one more old boy out there in the field. He's a, but, you know, he's out there. You know, he's, he's ruddy, you know. He's actually a good-looking kid, but, he, you know, he's one of the worshipers. He's out there worshiping. They're singing. He's a psalmist. He can't be the king. And he says, call him. That's the one. And he called him, and, and the oil flowed on David. Y'all know the story, right? And you read uh, further in 1 Kings 17 where David uh, defeats Goliath, the giant. Everybody knows the story of David and, and Goliath, right? Most people. And then uh, Saul, uh, takes, he takes to David. In fact, Saul's Jonathan takes to David. He's like, man, that dude is raw, man. He like Mike. I want to be like Mike. So Jonathan grabs hold of David, and, and, and I mean, he, the Bible says their hearts became knit to each other. They became best friends. And so uh, at that time, Saul, from that moment on, wouldn't let David leave his house. So David ended up living in the palace with King Saul and Jonathan and the whole uh, first family of, of Israel, right? And so uh, Saul loves David. David is on his side. David is a new champion of the world. Saul loves him. I mean, he's taken to him. But something happens. Something turned. I'm just checking you out. In other words, there are going to be people in your life who everything was going just fine. They liked you. You hung out. You went out to eat. You, you went on vacation together. We yeah. did all kind of things together. And something turns. What happened? David is going out, and he's, he's going out fighting these battles on, on Saul's behalf. But then watch what happens in 1 first first, Samuel, rather, I'm sorry. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 5. So David went out wherever Saul sent him. And watch this. Behave wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home. I'm going to show you what turned it. As they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. Now they're coming to meet King Saul. He's the king. They're going to sing with tambourines and with joy and with a band, right? So the women sang as they danced and said, now I don't know, here they are prophesying. 
Saul has slain his thousands. Did you know Shem? Saul has slain his thousands, right? And David, his ten thousands. Now, there's a reason why that's happening. One will chase two. God had left Saul. God was with David. So Saul only had capacity to slay thousands. But David, because God was with him, two, he had capacity now to slay ten thousands. But Saul couldn't see that. Verse 8, uh-oh. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? All of a sudden, now, a jealousy. Something got in that turned it. You got the advancement. You got the promotion on the job. Y'all used to hang out after work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But the promotion both of y'all put in for, you got it. Now they got to look up to you as the boss. And we, I mean, we used to hang together when we were all broke, but now all of a sudden you got a job. And I'm not talking to them real people here. I mean, I'm talking about real, real life issues. I mean, it was fun when we were all, all playing in the back of the classroom, having a good time, but you got the honor roll. Well, I thought, I thought we was all goofing around in the back of the class. Yeah, but I was doing my work, too. I was goofing. <laughs> See, all of a sudden, when there's a distinction, when there's a distinction, I thought we all believed the same thing. Yeah, but I'm going to church. When there's a distinction, all of a sudden, he said, now what more can he have but the kingdom? He's right. He doesn't even realize what he's saying. He's prophesying. Yeah, he's going to have the kingdom. <laughs> Y'all seeing it? Now watch verse 9. Watch verse 9 and see if you recognize anything happening in your life. So Saul eyeballed David from that day forward. Tell your neighbor, somebody watching you. They're eyeballing you. Now, when, when he eyes David, he's eyeing him for an opportunity to destroy him. He's watching to see if there's an open door he might have to destroy his life. Now, notice he didn't put David out. Because one thing he knows from the world is you keep your friends close, but you keep your enemies closer. So he's eyeing, he's trying to watch, keep tabs on David. He always on David's Facebook. He always on David's Instagram. See, you think folk following you because they're interested in what you're doing. No, they're, 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 they're looking for some paint. He eyed David from that day forward. And it happened the next day 
that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. Saul prophesied, or prophesied. In uh, other translations, to say was Saul began, became a raging mad, a raving mad. Okay, so Saul, so David played music with his hand, as at the other times. In other words, this is what David was in the in the house for before. Come in there, play some music, so on and so forth. Calm him down. So David's doing what he's always done for his friend or for his king. In other words, in David's eyes, we're still the same, right? Because if David had any animosity, David could have said, I ain't playing nothing for you. I hope you go crazy. No, David played music with his hand as at other times. Only this time, there's a spear in Saul's hand. Oh, Lord, I, I'm going to get as far as I can. They never did stop my clock. <laughs> we might as well get jiggy with it then. Come on. There's a spear in his hand. Right? Verse 11. Now watch, 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 watch. And Saul cast the spear. For he said, I will pin David to the wall. That means he took that javelin, he must be pretty good, and he, he lunged it at David, but he missed. David knew how to bob and weave, you know what I'm saying? No, he dealing with, right? No, no, the, the Lord's with him, the Lord's protecting him. It's not David's ability, it's God's, God's ability on him, okay? And notice it says here, uh, he escaped his presence twice, which means he did it one time, and David, okay, good. And then this, this situation happens again. That means David didn't leave the presence of Saul. He's, he's sticking with his assignment. I'm sticking with my assignment. God's protecting me. David... David didn't, out of an abundance of caution, leave King's house. I'm supposed to be here. God's teaching me something. I've been called to be the king. I'm being trained here on how kings operate. I got to be in the palace. So he keeps playing, and it happens again because it says he escaped his presence twice. Because you know you, Chris, by the time somebody throws a javelin at you one time, you miss, I'm picking that javelin up. I'm about to come upside your head with that javelin. But David didn't. David probably picked the javelin up. Here you go, sir. I figured first time it was a mistake. He, he might have seen a lizard on the wall. He's trying to kill a lizard. All right. Verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David. Now Saul was afraid of David. Now Saul was afraid of, and it didn't say David was afraid of Saul. Now Saul has thrown a javelin at David twice. It did not say David was afraid of Saul. David knew the Lord was with him. Saul is afraid of David. And people become your enemies oftentimes because they're afraid of you. They're afraid of something that's on your life. 
They're afraid of what you know. They're afraid you have more revelation than they have. They're afraid you know more about the scripture. They, they, they're afraid you have a different level of, of relationship with God than they have. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence. Now twice David escaped from his presence. Now Saul removes him from his presence. And watch this. And made him his captain over a thousand. Now this isn't just, this is a promotion. This is a setup. He's going to put David out front in hopes that David gets killed. The enemy is trying to set him up. Always be leery when people try to set you up. Okay? So he put him in a captain over a thousand. And watch this. And he went out and came in before the people. Now watch verse 14. Here we go. Remember you got to be harmless as serpents. Or, or wise as serpents rather. And harmless as doves. Therefore, when, they, when Saul saw, I'm sorry, verse 14, and David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Now, this wisely, some translations will say he prospered, but it, it goes beyond him prospering and him having success. It goes into how he carried himself, which means that on the battlefield, he never badmouthed Saul. And if God would say, Saul said, you put me out here. I was serving him. He did me wrong. Think I'm finna fight his battle for him. He get all the gold, get all the victory. I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> now you gotta remember now, this is, this is what you and I gotta deal with here. So David just, I'm gonna be No. He behaved himself wisely. Go out, all right, man, let's go. Saul said, do this, let's do it. He's being wise. Dealing with his enemy. Now watch. Verse, because of, of that, verse 14 says, and the Lord was with him. Okay? He behaved wisely, and the Lord was with him. Verse 15. Therefore, when Saul saw that David, that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. In other words, when Saul saw how David was carrying himself, how David was doing things the right way still, he really got scared. Because we already read he was afraid. Now he's like, oh, Lord, this, this dude knows how to handle himself. I'm done. <laughs> Glory to God. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. You got this. Now, David behaved himself wisely concerning his enemy Saul because David knew he was destined for the throne. In other words, David already had the word from the Lord as to his destiny, as to his expected end. So he would not, he refused to allow his enemy to derail him, to detract him from purpose. From destiny. Those of you who know the story, I don't, I don't have time to go over today because I want to show you, give you at least a couple of these points today. David had opportunities. At one point, David's now on the run. David's fleeing. Saul just gets rid of him. I, I hate you now. I'm going to kill you. So David's now running for his life from Saul. 
And the Bible says one, on one occasion, David uh, ended up seeing Saul's men. They're in a cave, and here is Saul asleep. His men said, hey, Dave, Dave, this your chance. You can kill that joker, bro. And David, David goes in there. Oh, wait, right. Because he, he gets this zeal, this youthful zeal. He goes in there, and he, 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 uh, he cuts off a piece of Saul's robe. That's all he could do. And the Bible says even when he did that, his heart smote him. He's like, I, I, sh- I shouldn't touch God's anointed. I, I, sh- I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be harming. He, he, yeah, his, his heart was troubled. King James, I believe, says his heart smote him. He, he was, oh, because even though Saul is his enemy, he still had to honor his office. Even though Saul is his enemy, he still had his eyes and his mind on what God said. And he knew that if he violated God's word to touch the prophets, to to touch God's anointed, the children of Israel were were in the wilderness. The word went out, hey, don't you touch God's anointed. Don't do his prophets any harm. That means the people were all, don't don't you touch these children of Israel. So David grew up on that. So when David had opportunity to kill Saul Saul on multiple occasions, I wouldn't do it. He said, I I can't do it. I can't do it. See, you got to make sure you don't let strife and this animosity. Y'all know what animosity is? This vitriol, this. (sighs) Look at David in the eye. Just look at him. Just look at him. See if you can see that vitriol in their eyes. See that's now it's not for you. If you see it, it ain't about you. It's, it's somebody who just knows how to touch that button, how to push that button. And you've not intentionally made them an enemy, but they have made themselves an enemy. You're gonna, I'm telling you, we're going to see it more and more in our new normal. Notice I said new normal. So I want to give you some, some points here. Y'all have a little more time? Maybe I'll give you half of them today. Um, here's what you have to do when you're dealing with your enemies. Okay, because you can't allow the enemy to stop the vision God has for you. This is the year of vision manifestation. And we cannot allow the devil. The devil, the devil doesn't know God's vision for your life. He doesn't know it, but he knows God has something for you. And, and he, he probably gets wind of it once you start talking about it. And so he's got to, okay, I got I to gotta, I gotta clog that up. I got to stop you. So he's going to try to get you where you're more in strife than you are in peace. See, that, that, you know, can I, can I just pause here for a minute? The devil is stirring folk up. Finding every reason to just be upset right now. 
You got one group that's so upset everything shut down. Another group that upset everything opening back up. <laughs> I just don't understand it. For example, in the state of Kentucky, that's where uh, spiritual dad and our uh, faith victory is. And they, they've been shut down. And so their attorney general happens to be a Christian, actually a real Christian, not like Mr. Squeaky, <laughs> a fake Christian. But he, he works to get the, um, to overturn this ruling that churches have to be shut down there in Kentucky. Now he happens to be a black man. And so what happened, all the black churches and civil leaders throughout Kentucky are bashing him. That's crazy. That's crazy. You're, you, you, black people deserve better than that. You shouldn't be fighting to get the church, black churches back open. And I'm saying, what's wrong with y'all? He's not telling you you have to go back. He's just fighting for you to have the right to go back. Since when did black folks stop, start fighting against rights? We don't want no right to go back. We're not going back to church. You can't. You don't have to. You just get to. So what happens is that stupidity stirs up anger. There are people who, if you were to mention Donald Trump, they slap fire at your mouth. And most of them don't even really know why. So, they're angry. I'm going to try to walk in the vision from God. It doesn't work like that. Are you, you hear what I'm saying to you? So maybe you're not on either of those parties. You're not, you don't care anything about that. But the devil knows how to get somebody on your job to. Get a, get a friend or a neighbor or somebody you used to hang with, a family member. To push that button to get you stirred up. Now here you are angry. And all of a sudden, the vision is halted. Manifestation just is stopped. Faith works by love. You got it? All right, so let me give you at least a couple of these. As long as y'all will let me. Turn to Proverbs 15.1 because here's what I want you, I want you to see this here. Proverbs 15.1. Hallelujah. Number one thing I want you to do when you're dealing with enemies. Write this down. Give soft answers. Give soft answers. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh tongue, harsh word, stirs up anger. Now I'm teaching you how to deal with your enemies. And you will get a call. You will get an email. Listen, if somebody email you, don't email back in all bold caps and all that stuff like that. Because that's, that's, that's a harsh word. Don't use all caps. That's, that's, that's inflammatory. Don't you ever go, you know, that's, <laughs> what we not going to do is, you know, that's inflammatory. I'm trying to help somebody here. The Bible says a soft answer, soft answer, everybody say soft answer. Soft answer turns away wrath. Sweet lips, 
but a harsh word stirs up. So when they clap and you clap back, it's just not everybody clapping. And you can't talk, you can't think over clapping. Oh Lord, let me talk, talk to some husbands and wives in here. Oh Lord, let me talk to some husbands and wives in here. Because it may not be your co-worker, maybe those of your own household. Because right now, right now as we speak, domestic violence, domestic abuse is on the rise. Because folks stuck in the house together, they ain't used to being around each other this long. I'm used to going to the basketball court, going to the gym, going to the salon, going somewhere to get away from you. Now I can't get away from you. So I clap, then you clap back, now we stirring up anger. So, number one, give soft answers. How many ever heard this phrase growing up? It takes two to argue. Oh, it takes two to tango too, that's true. It takes two to, two to make, make a thing go right. I mean, but <laughs> a lot of it takes two. See, I wasn't even thinking that like that. Just let me preach. It takes two to argue. Can you give me this same verse 15:1 in the Passion, please? The Passion translation. I'm sorry, media. I didn't tell you this, but just if you can get over there, hopefully our computer will uh, work with us here. Because I want you to see this here. This, this is so important. How you talk, how you respond, and listen. Which, which means you gotta sometimes swallow some things down. Notice what it says. Respond gently when you are confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest of men? Being angry can ruin your testimony. So what happens is they come at you, then you come back quickly and you say something you shouldn't have said. Um, watch this, watch this, watch, watch this for all my, all my, my Baptist folk. You laid down your religion. I'll mess with you. What happens if I respond sharply, cutting words? And listen, it is so easy to do that. It is so easy to come back at somebody so hard. I mean, some of y'all who are like, you know how to crack. And you sharp with it, you can come back just, bam, wow. Dog. I'm going to borrow a phrase from, from my mom. It says, just because it comes up, doesn't mean it has to come out. That's why I said, sometimes you have to swallow some things down. Because I could come back at you, but I'm a, All right, what we're going to do, because you can say, ain't going to be none of that. Ain't going to be none of that. Or you can say, hey, let, let's, let's do this a different way. Let's, let's, let's just pause for a minute. Now, I know already I'm, I'm probably only get to number one, because I'm pushing you probably beyond your soul 
already. I'm talking to your spirit, okay? Soul, I'm talking to the spirit. You just shut up, soul. I'm talking to the spirits of all these people here. Because your spirit knows I'm right. So give soft answers. A soft answer turns away wrath. That means when somebody comes at you with wrath, you can stop it with a soft answer. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. But you come with your comeback, you throw a log on that thing. Now you got a big fire. All right, let me just do a survey. Am I helping anybody on this right here already? Husbands and wives, parents and children. It's just, it's just noise. Nobody's enemies in your own household. Give me James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 in the contemporary English version, please. Listen to this. Write it down for yourself, James 1, 19 and 20. But it says here in the contemporary English version, my dear friends, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak or to get angry. Somebody comes at you and uh, you don't even give them time to finish what they're saying. Uh-oh. Quick to listen. Quick to listen. Quick, hurry up and listen. Because here, here's why you want to listen to your enemies. I'm not talking about, talking about listen and agree. I'm talking about listen to them. Because what you're listening for is a place where you can, can agree. See, because every argument that somebody comes at you with, even, I'm talking about when we're, we're, I, knew, I knew normal with new doctrine and everybody got all this kind of stuff. Even if you, you're going to argue with somebody, they're Muslim, they're a five percenter, they're a, they're a, a, a Hebrew Israelite, they're, a, I mean, a Jehovah's Witness, whatever other difference we may have, there's, there's still some commonality that if you listen to what they're saying, you, the Holy Ghost can give you a word at that point of agreement. In other words, if that Muslim says, well, Jesus, yeah, he was a good man. He was a good man. And you can say, praise the Lord. Yes, he was a good man. Now let's build off that. But if you're quick to respond, you're going to be talking about, well, I like bacon. I, like, I ain't going to stop eating no bacon because I like bacon. I like ham. You ain't going to tell me I ain't no pork because I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, uh, I like bacon. You can't do that. You got to listen Are you hearing what I'm saying? So my dear friends, dear friends, isn't that, isn't that nice how he, how he talks to us, Deacon Tyrone? My dear friends, that, that's like beloved. My dear friends, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak or to get angry. Verse 20, 
verse 20. If you are angry, you cannot do any of the good things God wants done. Oh, my God. God might give you a word of knowledge for that person, a word of wisdom on what to do. He might give you discerning of spirits to know what's behind. Because when they're coming at you as an enemy, usually there's a spirit behind that. So if I get angry, if I'm angry, I cannot do any of the good things God wants done. So number one was what? Give soft answers. Use your soft answer as like an inside voice. You know, y'all tell children, use, use your inside voice. Now, sometimes you might have to, might have to count to 10 inside. Outside if you have to, one, two, three. Now, listen, listen, no, listen. You have to give an answer. Just make it soft. In other words, you know, this is not talking about just let somebody go off on you and you don't respond. Walk away. Because you, someone you turn your head, they're going to bust you upside your head. So you got to at least face them. But you got to really, the Bible says let the peace of God rule in your heart. So you got to let the Holy Ghost umpire your heart. Uh, foul, you about to go foul. No, don't do that. I know you're thinking about coming back. No, don't, don't say anything about their mama. Don't, don't you say anything about their mama. I'm talking about all the married couples. Don't you, don't you say anything about their mama. All right? Okay, number two. Here's another one. I'm not sure you can handle this. Y'all, should I stop at number one? Okay. Proverbs 21, verse 14. Proverbs 21, verse 14. Write this down. Give secret gifts. Oh, Lord, Pastor. Oh, Lord, no. You are trying me. I'm not trying you. I'm going to read the Bible. In Proverbs 21, I was, it was last week, week before last, I was sitting there meditating the word of God, and this just began to come to me. I'm sitting there. One of the Proverbs we read, I, I won't hit it today, but one I hit, and I'm like, man, Lord, that's, you give a way for us to deal with enemies. I'm like, wow, praise God. Proverbs 21, 21 verse 14. You see that? A gift in secret pacifies anger and a bribe behind the back strong wrath. Now how many of you know what a pacifier is? Right? So you have a little baby and that baby's crying and can't be sued. Hurry up. Find a, find, find a little find, find a, you know you got, you got to get fans now and tied, tied to their you know clip it on clip it on a little right? That pacifier, don't get mad, uh, parents of little babies. That pacifier shuts up that crybaby. So when somebody's coming at you as an enemy, 
it, they're a crybaby. And the Bible says a gift in secret will pacify their anger. In other words, you slide them a little something. And now y'all, I know y'all don't like this right here. Pastor, I can't imagine giving something to somebody who don't like me. Well, keep it, keep them, let them be your enemy. Just keep the stripes going on. Just keep all the animosity in the air. Just, just, just keep being uncomfortable going to Publix at the chance you might run into them on the meat aisle. Just keep the tension in the air if that's what you want. But if you want to be comfortable and not, not feel no, nothing in your gut when you go to Walmart, a gift in secret pacifies anger. You, you give them a little something. Well, that's, that's, that don't make any sense, Pastor, because I'm not the one wrong. I'm not, I'm not the one wrong. But peace offerings are for you to give even when, you, when you've not done anything wrong. I can't tell you the number of times I argue with my wife. Now, this is not current. We, we haven't had an argument in many years. But, I mean, early on, you know, when you first get married, you first starting to make this adjustment. It's been you and she been her, you know, and I've been independent and you've been independent. And I had my ways and you had your ways and I do this and whatever. Now, we got to try to merge this thing together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Take, it take a long time to kind of make these adjustments and kind of conform and compromise or whatever you got to do, whatever, you know. So there are times, man, I remember times when I'll just apologize. I'm sorry. In my mind, I ain't done anything wrong. But if there's going to be peace in my house, y'all men better listen to me. All the husbands, you better listen to what I'm saying now. Amen. You buy flowers? What'd you do wrong? Nothing, but I want everything to be right. Is this the Bible? Have you ever experienced this before? So we know the Bible's right. A gift in secret pacifies anger. So we should give secret gifts. And I don't have time to read through the whole story, but you can write this down because you can read it in your own time. 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25 is a story about David and his conquest before he becomes a king. Or, I'm sorry, uh, he's, 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 he's on his way. Yeah, he's on his way to becoming, becoming anointed king. And he runs into a guy named Nabal. Nabal, his wife's name is Abigail. Remember this story? Nabal, whose name means fool. The word Nabal actually means fool. So Abigail married a fool and she knew it. But Nabal had plenty of money. Plenty of clout. So she married a fool knowing what he had. And I should say she married a rich man knowing he was a fool. 
Don't do that. It's not worth it. Okay? But anyway, so Nabal's a fool, and the Bible says that, that uh, David was passing through, and he's, he's fighting and everything, all his men with him, and they come and they ask Nabal, hey, can you help us out? We're, we're winning battles on behalf of our nation, and we're hungry. Can you help us out with some food? And Nabal's like, you got to get on out of here and help y'all with nothing. And so David's like, really? We, we saved all, all of your livestock. We saved all your flock. You're not, you're not going to help us out with nothing? David said, I got you. Let's read, read the story. David like, all right, I got you. I got you. So Abigail, she's not a fool. Abigail said, hold up. Oh, hold up. <laughs> Abigail, the Bible says, she put together a care package. Got some stuff together. Got enough to feed David's whole army. And the Bible says, and she did not tell that fool. That's what the Bible says. It says she did not tell her husband. But his name is Fool. She didn't tell Nabal. And she snuck out. Went to David and said, hey, look at here. And uh, I, know, I, know, I know my husband, he's kind of crazy. He, he's a fool. His name means Fool, David, so you understand. But, hey, look at this. Bam, she opened that up here. Enough. And David said, woman... Let me tell you something. He said, if it wasn't for you, by this time tomorrow morning, he said, by the time sunrise, he said, there wasn't going to be a male left in the whole house. He said, we're going to kill all the men in the whole house. He said, but, but, but because of your gift, I'm going let to your, let, let your household live. So her secret gift pacified David's anger saved the whole household. Now if you're interested in the rest of the story he's still a fool. One night he got drunk, got all tore up and he ended up dying on his own. David went back and found Abigail. <laughs> he so did. He went back and found Abigail and married her. That's a smart one right there. I need her on my team. She's probably good looking too. <laughs> so, again, Proverbs 21, verse 14. A gift in secret pacifies anger. A gift in secret pacifies anger. So, here's how you deal with your enemies. You give soft answers and then give secret gifts. That means you don't broadcast everybody. Because you tell people, they're going to be like, you, you, you give us something to who? You're going to do what? Don't tell everybody about your business. Just do it. Just do it. Is this helping anybody so far? Yes, sir. Okay. Can I give you one more? Yes. All right. Then I'll, I'll do the rest as we go through the week. All right. This one you might not like. Well, you didn't like the first one either. You definitely like the second one. This third one, you, you might be able to handle this. It's going to determine, be based on how spiritual you are. Proverbs 24, turn over there. Proverbs 24. Now, this is some good stuff here. Now, we're not to the one that I first was landing on last week when I was studying this that got me on this whole thing here. 
We'll get to that Wednesday. But Proverbs 24, verse 17 and 18. Here's what I want you to write down. Here's number three. Well, give me number one again. Y'all got that? Number two. Here's number three. Don't rejoice in their suffering. Don't rejoice in their suffering. Ooh-wee. This is spiritual. That's right. This is for spiritual people because, see, if you're natural, you're carnal, you're happy when they lose their job. You're happy when they lost their house. You're happy when you hear bad news about them. But when you're spiritual, no, you're not happy about that. See, your desire upon your enemies is not their destruction. Your desire upon your enemies is their restoration. And this is hard because, Paulette, there's a little, there's a little thing down in there on the inside. When you hear, come on, when you hear that something bad happened, you just go like, mm-hmm. How many of y'all gonna tell the truth right now? Tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I just knew. Heard that car broke down. Yep. I heard, I heard they, they came down with Ebola. Yep. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Proverbs 24, verse 17 and 18. This is, this is big right here. Do not rejoice when your enemy loses their job, loses their house, gets their car repossessed comes down with some disease or they get destroyed. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Now, we all love the scripture in Micah when, when Micah says, hey, enemy, do not rejoice over me when I fall for I shall arise again. We like that. Enemy, don't laugh at me when I fall because I'm going to get up back up again. But the Bible says, don't you rejoice when they fall. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Hey, the, the shoe's now on the other foot. And I'm going to be the first to testify. It's, it's, a little, it's, a little, it's, a little, it's a little hard because you, you almost, you kind of just want a little justification. Am I right about it? I told you I was right. I was right. I was right. I knew I was right. You want, you want something to just to verify that you were right. But the Bible says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad. <laughs> Help me, Lord. This, this one is one of those Luke 17, 1 uh, scriptures. Lord, increase our faith. No, you don't have to increase my faith in this right here. <laughs> Pastor Rome, am I right about it? You got to go and increase my faith because. He says, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. I don't, don't go to the next verse. I want you to just, just let, let this marinate right here. Because this is a, um, not a guideline. This is not a suggestion. This is a command to me. 
I'm asking or hoping that it becomes a command to you. That when you see something in the word, whether you like it or not, that's what, what has brought my wife and, and me this far, is we made a decision that whatever we see in the word, we're gonna, just going to do it. Even if we don't like it. Are there any parts of the Bible you don't like? Tell the truth. Yes. But I've learned that if I simply conform to it, I learn to like it. Because I begin to see, oh, this is good for me. I needed that. The word works. So I don't rejoice when my enemy falls. Now, this isn't talking about the devil. We know we have an adversary with the devil. I rejoice when he falls. Every time the devil loses, I, I, I rejoice about that. Let's talk about people. So your cousin gets in a car accident who, who cussed you out at the last family reunion. You don't get, oh, good, they had it coming. No, they didn't have it coming. Not because of what they did to you. See, because what happens, the reason people rejoice is because all you're thinking about is what they did to you. What they did to you. Well, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. That's true. I don't. I don't know what they said. That's true. I don't know what they did. But don't you start rejoicing. Don't let your heart be glad. Because you and I are not to celebrate evil happening to people. You never celebrate when somebody goes through a rough time in their life. I'm looking at y'all faces. Y'all are like, <laughs> I understand it. I know how you feel. I understand how you feel. Way before I used to read Proverbs, Proverbs every day, and I didn't know this scripture, I was good at rejoicing. It's supposed to happen like that. Oh, they all got laid off. Yep, that's right. And it's probably her fault. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I used to have, I used to have revenge dreams. I'm just telling you. But once I learned the scriptures and learned that, no, that's not, that's not how we, we behave then we got to change that. Now, why did he say don't do this? Now, look at verse 18. Verse 18. Glory to God. Proverbs 24, verse 18. Lest the Lord see it, see you rejoicing, see you laughing, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Oh, now I see something happening here, Lamika. That means when an enemy comes against me as a child of God, God said, I'm going to handle it. I got them. You ain't got to get them. You ain't got to post nothing on Facebook. You ain't got to write nothing on YouTube. You ain't got to, no, you know, uh, down, down, thumb, thumbs down their video. You ain't got none of that stuff. <laughs> we got all these cyber stalkers and stuff like that. And get you ele electronically. He says, lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. So God said, I was handling it. Let me do what I do. Because see, the thing about God's wrath is there's always a mercy. Because God is all merciful. There's always a, 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 a tinge of mercy even to his wrath.
So he, when, even when in his wrath, his, his goal is to get them to turn. So you need to be as merciful as he is. And I know it's a stretch, but we're going to walk in love, imitate God as dear children. And not celebrate when people who have wronged us or disagree with us or have difference of opinion with us or who've attacked us or defrauded us or done whatever, 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 left us hanging. When they're going through, it's not the time to rejoice. That's good for them. No. Uh, I'm out of time, but if you come back Wednesday, and even if we got carried the next Sunday, I'm going to show you by the time we're done, you're going to have to love them. I'm working your way up to loving them. Right now, I'm just trying to get you to just to not dog them, just to not go fight them. If you stick with me, you're going to be loving them. Number one, can you do that? Show, show me how you do it. Let me, let me see your face. How you going to do it? How you, when you give yourself an answer. Number two. Cash out. Amazon, mail something to the house, whatever they got to do. I mean, just whatever. That's right. A gift will make room for you. Can you handle that? I said, can you handle that? Last one for the day. Number three. Rejoicing their suffering. In other words, you got to intercede to pray for them. You got to intercede or you got to pray for them. In Luke 23, 34, we're about to receive the Lord's Supper. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. And he made this statement on the cross. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He interceded for them. He knew that if he hadn't done that, those men would be due some great wrath. Stephen, over the book of Acts, he's about to be killed for preaching the gospel and before he dies while enemies are throwing stones at him he looks up and says father lord forgive them forgive them that's where you and I have to be 
I know if you've had more than a couple birthdays, you have enemies. Whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, you have enemies. And our response to our enemies is what you and I will be judged for. When you and I stand before God, God's not going to ask all about what your enemies did to you. You won't be able to use it as, as an excuse. Well, God, I, I was so and so because of what they said, because of what they did. No, only thing you're going to give account for is a deed done in your body. So that's why you and I have to master this end of it. I cannot control what people do to me. I cannot control what people say to me. I cannot control how people treat me. What I'm in control of is how I respond to what I do. Amen? So, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Now, Father, today we agree in prayer. We saw in your word, James 4, that you have enemies. Those who are friends of the world, they're enemies of yours. Your word says, Father, uh, in Psalm 68, to let you arise and your enemies be scattered. Jesus had enemies. <laughs> your word says there are enemies of the cross. So we know if you have enemies and you're kind and just, pure, perfect, loving, then we know that we'll also have enemies. And God, in this sort of new normal they're talking about, stepping into as we're emerging, even as a new entity, God will emerge as lambs among wolves. For you told us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. God, we're asking you to give us wisdom on how to deal with enemies, wisdom on how to deal with those who oppose us, wisdom on how to deal with those who are contrary to us, wisdom on how to deal with those, Father, who will rise up against us. God, it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All souls are yours. So we don't delight in anyone falling. We don't delight in anyone going through trouble. We don't delight in anyone going through any kind of hardship or pain. It's our delight, just as, just as it is your delight, to see men saved, prospering, healthy, living long and living strong. And God, <laughs> by the help of the Holy Ghost, by an increase in the use of our faith, we set that as our same desire to see even those who have made themselves our enemies, to live long, to live strong, to prosper and be in health, to see them walking in the light of the gospel, walking in hope, walking in joy, walking in peace. And even as we often use the phrase, our worst enemy. God, I don't wish hell on my worst enemy. We don't wish destruction on our worst enemies. In fact, we ask you that those who have made themselves our worst enemies, that you reveal yourself to them in a way that they've never known before. We want them saved, sanctified, Filled with the Holy Ghost, 
walking by faith, walking in the spirit, living by your word, and experiencing all the joys, all the peace, and the righteousness of the kingdom of God. Now we pray, Lord, for them, and we pray for ourselves as well, that God, we would be wise. And through that wisdom, win souls of men to you. You said the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. So, Lord, we know that you want us to win back our brother. Your word says a, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. God, but Lord, even those who've been offended, we want to win them back. Give us an opportunity to win somebody. God, if there are people that we, that we have offended, people that we have done wrong, we ask you, Lord, for your forgiveness, first of all. And then we ask you to give us, give us the opportunity to, to reconcile and make things right with them. We want to be those who can say in truth, we've wronged no man. Even after we know we've wronged them, but God, we've made things right, we've gotten things clear with you, and our conscience is clear. No condemnation that we've wronged no man. Now we pray today as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper. We remember what Jesus Christ did for us, how much you loved us, that while we were your enemies, huh, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of yours, you gave Jesus Christ your very best to die on the cross. And then you raised him again from the dead after he had whipped the devil on his own turf. You raised him again for our justification. And so now, Father, we pray that, Lord, as we receive this, this supper, that we would see ourselves as the body of Christ. And I even pray that, Father, that if there's any sort of animosity or strife or envy or hatred or bitterness or jealousy or malice or selfish ambition or anything that's even corrupted our brotherhood in this church, our friendships in this church, any relationships that have been broken because of an enemy coming in. I pray today that there will be a full restoration of all relationships even in this house. That, Lord, we would not allow the devil to steal the manifestation of our vision because we're carrying around grudges and ill feelings toward our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Your word says, Father, that when people do not discern the body of Christ, it brings weakness, sickness, and death. Father, we dare not let that be among us. Any weakness, sickness, or death. So today we discern ourselves as the body of Christ. We will come together in love. Now I thank you that it is so. I give you praise. I give you glory. For all these things today, in the master's name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. 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 Come on, give God a praise today if you receive that word. Come on, give him a praise if you receive that word. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I hope you're walking out of here with a new attitude. I know you've been challenged, just as I've been challenged. Listen, when I preach something, guess who it comes to first? When I was sitting there reading, actually it was in Proverbs 25 last week, 
I'm sitting there reading. I'm like, oh, Lord, I got to do that. For real? Lord, 